So back in our text, in verse 9, it says, So Jehoiachin, he did evil in the sight of the Lord. See, nobody's doing any good anymore. Uh, after Josiah, it was just a constant nosedive. And, and you know, there's something about that. You know, just pray for our country, because we need somebody to stand in the gap. You know, and, and I'm not necessarily speaking of some political figure. You know, may the church stand in the gap. May we rise up. Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher, Rob Kellogg. Today, our scripture says, And he did evil in the sight of the Lord. Jehoiachin carried on in the tradition of the wicked kings of Judah. He was a grievous offender against God, and it would not be long before God exercises judgment on Judah because of their evil ways now and in the past. By God's grace, he exercises this punishment on Judah during the reign of a king that was disobedient to his commands and one that involved the nation in idolatry. Now let's join Pastor Rob with our lesson for today. Of Josiah, king of Judah. Quote, they shall not lament for him, saying, Alas, my brother, or alas, my sister. They shall not lament for him, saying, Alas, master, or alas, his glory. He shall be buried with the burial of a donkey, dragged and cast out beyond the gates of Jerusalem. So Jeremiah just prophesying of the, um, the horrible way in which he would, his demise, and uh, he, it wouldn't be a great thing when he would be buried. It would rather be uh, something of disdain and something detestable, even in his death. And we know that Jeremiah, uh, Jehoiakim, excuse, excuse me, was, um, he was also an evil man. Jeremiah chapter 26, verse 20 says this about him. It says, Now there was also a man who prophesied in the name of the Lord. And we don't know who this man, um, actually we do know his name. I'm sorry, I'm thinking of something else. Prophesied in the name of the Lord, Urijah, the son of Shemaiah of Kirjath-Jerim, notice, who prophesied against this city and against this land according to all the words of Jeremiah. And when Jehoiakim, the king, with all his mighty men and all the princes, heard his words, the king sought to put him to death. But when Urijah heard it, he was afraid and he fled and he went to Egypt. And then Jehoiakim, excuse me, the king, sent men to Egypt El Nathan, the son of Achbor, and other men went with him to Egypt, and they brought Urijah from Egypt and brought him to Jehoiakim, the king, who killed him with the sword and cast his dead body into the graves of the common people. So Jehoiakim was a, an evil man. Uh, we, we, we read that, but this is one instance, one thing that he did, and it really, uh, God wasn't going to let him get away with this innocent blood that he had shed as well. Jeremiah being a prophet himself. You know, he, he, he talks about this. 
So Jehoiakim rested with his fathers. Just another way of saying he finally died and he uh, was buried with his fathers. And then Jehoiachin, notice, his son reigned in his place. So Jehoiakim passed away and then his son, Jehoiachin, would reign for three months. And we actually have the dates that this man reigned pretty precisely. December 9th of 598 B.C. to March 16th, 597 B.C. Three months. That's all he reigned. In verse 7 in our text, it says, And the king of Egypt did not come out of his land anymore, for the king of Babylon had taken all that belonged to the king of Egypt from the brook of Egypt to the river Euphrates. So all of that area in what you and I would call Israel uh, that became his domain. And now Egypt, having that suffering that awful battle up in Carchemish in 612 B.C., they were like a whipped dog, and they just went back to their land, and they never came out of their cage again because they realized that they were no longer um, in, the, in the world scene. They were nothing anymore. Babylon was the, the, the force to be reckoned with, if you will. And so, verse 8 in our text tonight says, and this is, we're back in 2 Kings 24. Verse 8 says, Jehoiachin, notice, was 18 years old when he became king. And he reigned in Jerusalem three months. His mother's name was Nehushta, the daughter of Elnathan of Jerusalem. Now, if you write in the margin of your Bible this reference, uh, you might want to write it because I want to share something with you really quick. Uh, right, Second Chronicles uh, chapter 36, verse 9. 2 Chronicles 36, verse 9. The reason I have you do that is because in 2 Chronicles 36, verse 9, it says this concerning Jehoiachin, that he was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem three months and ten days and did evil in the sight of the Lord. So which one is correct? There's obviously a, a scribal error here, right? So 2 Kings 24, verse 8, tells us that it was 18 years. And by the way, there's many Hebrew manuscripts as well as the Septuagint that uh, say that it was 18 years, not 8 years. And also, in addition to that, if you're looking at 2 Kings 24, look down at verse 15. Look down at verse 15, because when Nebuchadnezzar would carry Jehoiachin and his family off to Babylon, it also carried away his wives. So an eight-year-old is not going to have wives. <laughs> uh, but an 18-year-old, yes. Okay. So the correct thing here is he's 18 when he came into his reign. In Jehoiachin, he had, he had a couple of different names. So if you see names like Coniah or Jeconiah, these names are uh, one with Jehoiachin. They mean the same thing. So back in our text in verse 9, it says, So Jehoiachin, he did evil in the sight of the Lord. See, nobody's doing any good anymore. Uh, after Josiah, it was just a constant nosedive. And, and you know, there's something about that. You know, just pray for our country because we need somebody to stand in the gap. You know, and, and I'm not necessarily speaking of some political figure. You know, may the church stand in the gap. May we rise up and affect our community, may people realize, hey, I didn't know these people really were much of anything, but while they're praying and things are happening and they're a real force to be reckoned with. Now, I don't think that the, the, the church is going to win the world over. 
I don't think that. And I don't think biblically that's accurate either. But I do think that we can rise at this time in our history, and we should, being a light, doing what God has told us to do. Again, I think that's something that we should do. And I really would ask you to pray about that. Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Help me not to just get lazy. And if you're like me, it's so easy, isn't it? Especially after the couple years that we've gone through. You know, you've been through this horrific thing that just turned the country upside down. And um, sometimes, you know, if you're like me, you're just like, oh, I just want to catch my breath after two, two and a half years of nonsense and weirdness. But now is our time. The church, it's our time. It's our time. But not for these folks. They were just continually going down. He did evil. Jehoiachin did evil in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father had done. At that time, the servants of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came up against Jerusalem, and the city was besieged. And Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came against the city, and his servants were besieging it. And then Jehoiachin, king of Judah, his mother, his servants, his princes, and his officers went out to the king of Babylon, and the king of Babylon and the king of Babylon, in the eighth year of his reign, took him prisoner. So we know Nebuchadnezzar, he reigned from 605 to 562 B.C. So if we do just a little math, the eighth year of his reign would be 597 B.C. That's when this was happening. So verse 13, and he carried out from there. All the treasures of the house of the Lord and the treasures of the king's house. And he cut in pieces all the articles of gold which Solomon, king of Israel, had made in the temple of the Lord as the Lord had said. As the Lord had said. When did the Lord say that? All right, get your pen out and write, these, write this in the margin of your Bible, this reference. First, one, first Kings chapter 9, beginning in verse 6. 1 Kings 9, verse 6. What does it say? Remember, God appeared to Solomon twice, and the second time God appeared to him, God said this to him in verse 6. He says, But if you or your sons at all turn from following me, Solomon, because this is the beginning of Solomon's reign, and do not keep my commandments and my statutes, which I have set before you, but you go and you serve other gods and worship them. Did that happen? Yes, even Solomon did that in the latter part of his life, and he repented. But even he did it. And then many of his fathers going forward in time would do the same thing. And again, only just a few would, be, would rise above the crust and be really great reformer kings. People like Hezekiah and Josiah. And then he goes on, he says, if you do these things... Um, and do not keep my commandments and my statutes, which I have set before you, but you go and you serve other gods and worship them. And here's the condition. Then I will cut off Israel from the land which I have given them, and this house, and he's speaking of the temple, which I have consecrated for my name, I will cast out of my sight. Israel shall be a proverb and a byword among all peoples. 
And as for this house, which is exalted, everyone who passes by it will be astonished and will hiss and say, why has the Lord done this to this land and to this house? And then they will answer, because they, the people of Israel, the people of Judah in Jerusalem, they, because they forsook the Lord their God, who brought their fathers out of the land of Egypt. And they've embraced other gods and worshipped them and served them. Therefore, the Lord has brought all this calamity on them. So that is exactly, at least, the thing that is spoken of here in verse 13 in our text. That the king of Babylon would come and just take everything away. And God told them ahead of times. And also, verse 14, he carried into captivity all Jerusalem. And all the captains and all the mighty men of valor, 10,000 captives and all the craftsmen and the smiths. Notice he didn't take uh, the, the, the anybody. If you're a king and you are coming in and bringing a people into captivity, who are you going to grab? The ones that might present problems? The ones that you deem worthless? No, you're going to grab the creme de la creme. You're going to grab the, the best artisans, the guys who know how to deal with silver and gold and bronze. And these guys are really great at what they do. And let me tell you, the Jewish people, history proves that, they make, that they've made some of the best bankers They've made some of the best musicians, and God has done this through them. They've been some of the best, um, you name it, uh, accountants, um, artists, you name it. Physicians, doctors, lawyers, they've, they've been among the best. And that's who the enemy takes, takes the best. You know, I think about the enemy today. He's taking our kids. If you're a parent or you still have young kids in your house, you'll know the battle that is raging. I've certainly noticed it with my daughter, and I've seen it in others. The devil, he, he's coming after the very best. He doesn't want the old. He doesn't want those who have spent their life and they're, you know, they're in their 60s, 70s, 80s, and he'll come after you too, but what he really wants, what he really wants is the kids. The ones that have the life in front of them, all the vitality, all of the, they're, they're in their prime, that's who he's going after. And at that time, now I believe Nebuchadnezzar, based on Daniel chapter 4, I believe he's in glory, because Daniel's, uh, Daniel's, witness to Nebuchadnezzar was such that Nebuchadnezzar was so enamored by Daniel, this fine, awesome young man, and he served the king well. He didn't do anything wrong. He wasn't worshiping false gods, Daniel, no, but he served Nebuchadnezzar faithfully, and he knew he could trust Daniel, and that's why he promoted him, and that's why the kings after him promoted him, because there was an excellent spirit in him. And it was because of that man that Nebuchadnezzar, I believe, is in glory. But before he got saved, before he gave his heart to, to God, to Christ, Nebuchadnezzar was controlled by the devil. Yes, the devil. And he didn't want 
the weaklings. He didn't want the things that nobody wanted. No, he wanted the best. And the devil today, he wants the best of your kids. He wants your grandkids. And he's going after them through all the social media. He's going after them through all the movies, all of the magazines, all of the music. It's so putrid and putrefying and, and, and filthy. There's very little left that is clean and pure and holy anymore. And the devil is doing a grand job. But don't give up, Christian. Love your kids. Work with them. Talk to them. Your kids and your grandkids. Don't give up. You can't afford to give up. You've got to stay in the fight. You can't be and just roll over and die. No. Don't think that, it, well, it's too late now. Hey, you know what? That's exactly what the enemy wants you to think. You get on your knees, you start praying, and you start talking to your kids. And is it going to be easy? No. Are they going to resist it? Yes, they are. Love them, love them, work with them, and listen to them. Listen to them and love them, and you will gain the right to speak to them. And place restrictions where you need to place restrictions. Do you let your son or your daughter or your grandchild, do you let them have an iPhone or or an Android device just unfettered and just let them do whatever they want, unfettered? If you do, you you really need to think about that very clearly. The devil is going after your kids. We need to pray. The church in America needs to pray for the very valuable people. We're all valuable in God's eyes, don't get me wrong, but those kids, those grandkids are very precious to God. It's never too late, and don't give up. Try, try, and pray, and try some more. Don't give up. Notice, and he carried Jehoiachin captive to Babylon. Oh, I'm sorry, i got to back up to verse 14. So he carried into captivity, Nebuchadnezzar, all Jerusalem, all the captains, all the mighty men of valor, 10,000 captives, and all the craftsmen and smiths. None remained except what? The poorest people of the land. The people that nobody wanted. But does God love them? Of course he does. Those are sometimes the most valuable people. But yet, the world chooses the creme de la creme because they want to be served. And God says, well, I can choose... The, one, the, the, the things, the people that nobody wants, they can serve me and do a much better job. And I love that about God and his heart. Notice, and all the valiant men as well, 7,000, and craftsmen and smiths, 1,000, all who were strong and fit for war. These, the king of Babylon, brought captive to Babylon. And I don't know if you knew this, but there were three different deportments of Jews from Babylon. Write this reference down next to this verse. It's Jeremiah 52 verses 28 through 30. This is important. Write it down because there were three different deportments. See, when Nebuchadnezzar came against Jerusalem around 606 BC, they began to lay a siege to the city, trying to starve them out. They didn't go in there and just wipe everybody out. They surrounded the city with embankments and they tried to starve them out. But they had a, they had a river going through, the Gahon Spring. So they had plenty of water and they had plenty of food for a season. And they did that for 20 years. (laughs) They laid siege to Jerusalem for 20 years. And within that 20-year time frame, yes, some Jews, they were able to get out of the city. And so they had three different deportments of Jews. Jeremiah 52, 28 tells us, and let me read it to you. These are the people. 
In fact, I'd encourage you to read all of chapter 52. We're going to be looking at it next week. But these are the people whom Nebuchadnezzar carried away captive in the seventh year of, of we're talking about of, of, Bab- of Nebuchadnezzar's reign. In his seventh year, which is around 598, 597 B.C., 3,023 Jews. In the 18th year of Nebuchadnezzar, so now we're looking at approximately 587 to 586 B.C., right around the time that they would actually set fire to Jerusalem, he carried away captive from Jerusalem 832 persons. And then in the 30. Uh, 23rd year of Nebuchadnezzar, and so we're looking at 583 to 582 B.C., after they had already destroyed the temple, they went back and got even more people. It says that Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, carried away captive of the Jews 745 persons. All the persons total were 4,600. So these are the ones that were taken captive. Three different installments, little by little, putting a, a siege around them for 20 years and three deportments of Jews. And did you know that Ezekiel was one of those captives? Ezekiel was taken captive from Jeru- Judah and taken to Babylon, and that's where he wrote his prophecy. That's where he wrote the book of Ezekiel. In fact, in Ezekiel chapter 1, let me just read the first three verses. It says, he says, Now it came to pass... In the thirtieth year, in the fourth month, on the fifth day of the month, as I was among the captives by the river, river Chebar, that the heavens were opened, and I saw visions of God, on the fifth day of the month, which was in the fifth year of Jehoiachin's captivity, the word of the Lord came expressly to Ezekiel, the son of Buzi, in the land of the Chaldeans by the river Chebar, and the hand of the Lord was upon him there. So, he was taken captive, and so was Daniel. I mean, we, we'll, we'll look, um, I think we already looked at Daniel, and he told us that he was taken captive during that time frame. Probably the very first deportment, perhaps. Or when they first laid siege, he grabbed the best of the land. There might have been arguably four different deportments, and, and, and Jeremiah lays out three of them, and there may have been one prior to the one I spoke of firstly, but that remains to, you know... Uh, I'll just leave it there. Um, so anyway, verse 17, back in our text, and we're coming to the end here. It says, Then the king of Babylon made Mataniah, Jehoiachin's uncle, king in his place, and changed his name to Zedekiah. So one thing you have to remember is Josiah had four sons. So think of Josiah here, and then he had four sons. There's one son called Johanan, which we know nothing about. The Bible doesn't really speak much of him at all, very little. We don't know anything. But then he, uh, Josiah had Jehoiahaz, whose name was Shalom in other scriptures. Then he had Jehoiakim, and then Zedekiah. And that's who we're speaking of right now. His name was Mataniah. But Jehoiakim, here in the center, we had his son, was Jehoiachin, and, um, and that was um, Jehoiakim's son was Jehoiachin. <laughs> That's kind of funny. It almost sounds like a, like, a, like a Chinese dish or something. What will you have tonight? I'll have Jehoiachin soup, you know. <laughs> you know so, um, so the king of Babylon... He puts Zedekiah on the throne now. And he's really nothing more than a puppet. Vassal puppet is really all he is. 
And it says in verse 18, Zedekiah was 21 years old when he became king, and he reigned 11 years. Again, 11 years. Do you, do you see something similar about this? If you looked at the reign of, you know, like of, uh, when I talked about Jehoiahaz, the, the, first, or the son of Josiah, he reigned for three months. His, his brother next to him, Jehoiakim, he reigned for 11 years. That's the end of our lesson for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 2 Kings. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office you can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.